Life forces you to face yourself. What awaits is a gift. Vulnerability. Your heart is pierced. You're broken open. You're hyper aware of what you're feeling. I can show weakness. I can be real. When I reveal my true heart, not everyone is going to approve. But what I know now is that I don't need them to. This passage is taken from Alicia Keys' beautiful book, or Myself a Journey. I want to begin by recalling a very recent episode of Shame and use it as my line of reference. It started with checking social media, with being on the receiving end, shown beautiful highlights of others' success, scrolling through post after the other, from one account to another, sharing and resharing those top and amazing moments in celebration of others' accomplishments. And as I was celebrating alongside them, surely and slowly and secretly, shame found a way in. Taking hold of the silence within a spirit caught in a spiral of comparison. I struggled with an inability to set myself free. Everything outside of me seemed larger and greater than my little dark corner magnified in focus, occupied completely by shame. A feeling of smallness appeared to take control of the narrative. And because shame was in presence, smallness of the moment settled as the one and only reality. I approached the night with a heaviness of anguish rooted in an all too familiar feeling of inadequacy. And instead of fleeing to a short practice of a self-care routine to regain power in my narrative and strength and perspective, I retreated instead to a shell of inner criticism and terrible punishment. I don't carry the notion that social media is a constant source of unpleasantness. I think it relies on the person's power and self-discipline to step away and say no to the news and spaces, jeopardizing their mental health and well-being. And it takes a lot of willpower to safeguard oneself from the negative influences of social media. The thing about shame is, though, it tends to seek these very news and spaces that reinforces the personal record of I'm not good enough. The feeling is, of course, not new. I have experienced it before and I'm well aware of the fact that it tends to appear during times of loneliness and judgment. When I'm harshly critical of myself and consciously I look for tales of insignificance to affirm my place of smallness. Toxic shame is about believing one is inherently flawed. It is a belief rooted in childhood trauma and the silence within years carrying that trauma. A silence that doesn't translate into forgetfulness 
but rather the growth of shameful parts within that eat away at a person's healthy perception of their self-image. Shame is acquired from one's surrounding. It tends to mimic and reproduce the feelings of a time when a person felt criticized, neglected, and made to believe is unworthy. Because shame grows in silence, it tends to be carried for years and hidden so well behind a person's smile and perceived happiness. I mean, it's not the most attractive emotion to note nor discuss. And I think that is precisely why it tends to grow its sweets so freely within one's life. It's not easy to admit to oneself those feelings of wrongness and smallness. And it is because admitting is often associated with becoming these emotions. Once the light is focused on, it tends to be impossible to ignore facing what is there. I do strive to rid myself of undesired emotions I find unhealthy and detrimental to myself and connections to others. This is why I chose to speak of this. I don't enjoy speaking openly about experiencing these feelings, but I remind myself that it is natural to feel the, dis the discomfort and the warm washing of shame because it is here for a purpose. It is here to wake me up to appreciating the life I have to call my own. The antidote to shame is understanding its purpose and the cause it has to teach. Another quote from Alicia's book that is so good to share. We adjust ourselves to fit, to adapt to others' ideas of who we should be. We shift ourselves not in sweeping pivots, but in movements so tiny that they are hardly perceptible, even in our own view. Years can pass before we finally discover that after handing over our power piece by piece, we no longer even look like ourselves. I realize that there is a lot of mistrust and neglect deeply, firmly, present within my shame, mistrust in myself, my capabilities, my positive traits and hope for an impactful future. This lack of trust is adopted from situations and people that were either mistrustful of me or took advantage of my kindness and good intentions. Instead of analyzing this situation as isolated incidents, I took on the other person's opinion and behavior towards me as a reflection of myself. And this created a difficult fixation to fill the space and the distance between who I am, who I know myself to be, and how I am being perceived. Willingly giving endless efforts to win the other person's good grace and approval. Healing shame doesn't happen in separate tries or attempts. When caught in an episode of shame, it is always useful to recognize the unhealed parts within that are triggered. This recent shame spiral lasted little over a day because I wrote about it in effort to survey the areas within that need my attention. 
Shame survives on feelings of aloneness. It needs for the person to isolate themselves in silence and believe that they're alone. And that is never true. When caught within an episode of shame, it's needed to give oneself the space to breathe fresh air, to step away from the triggers, and tune into oneself compassionately recalling and speaking out loud and into the open wounds, one's own journey and progress, and the small and major wins along the way. Also, shame needs a safe space to be unraveled. Brene Brown speaks so eloquently about shame. One of the healing moments for me was when she said that to share shame is to make sure it is done within spaces deserving of hearing it. In the past, I have shared my shame within the wrong spaces, spaces that were unable and incapable of containing or comforting me. And instead of feeling supported and liberated, I felt the opposite. I felt more alone, violated, and shameful. One of the greater lessons I've learned the past year is the importance of maintaining trusted support systems. And if that is for some reason inaccessible or unavailable, then I must learn to be that support system for myself. I'm still learning to understand shame and allowing it to visit and to listen to it without judgment. It is not at all easy. I do believe that to each of us, life is ordained individually. And that is the first step in zooming out of the shame-filled lens. Each of us will walk through their breakthrough when it is time. It is also important to recognize and envision what that breakthrough even looks like. Instead of being so centered on what is happening outside of us, wishing to live similar experiences to what is projected out there, it serves well to recognize and see clearly that what exactly and where exactly is the road that can lead us to arrive at a breakthrough. Because perhaps we still have a few more stages of growth to attain before we can reach that breakthrough. I also think that creating routines of self-care that act as one's own space of support and love is so crucial. To learn to pour compassion onto oneself as a practice of survival and not merely preference. To be for oneself everything that was once sought after and clung to out there. Lastly, with priorities set strictly in place, it is needed to fast every now and then from social media and from following what is currently popular out there. To reclaim one's time and control over one's life's journey. There is nothing more important than one's sense of peace and contentment. The spirit needs care and nourishment just as the body needs food and exercise just as the heart needs love and kindness to thrive. Alicia sums it up so beautifully in this passage. I let go of the urge to twist myself into a pretzel, trying to live up to others' expectations. I let go of the belief that if I stepped away, nothing would be there when I return. And in place of that notion, I inhale liberation. 
I inhaled the boundlessness and brilliance that once guided the Egyptians in crafting monuments of greatness. That's what 14 days of solitude can bring. Space to breathe, time to reflect, and a chance to reimagine what your life can look like. So here I am, setting my intention to open myself up back to solitude as my shelter for recovery, for peacefulness, and ultimately for clarity of mind and purpose.